The shortstop market is heating up around baseball. <laughs> Forever giant Brandon Crawford is going to don a new uniform. And uh, never giant Nick Ahmed may be in a Giants uni. Uh, it's the return of the K-Raj podcast with uh, me, Roger Munter, and my friend, Kerry Crowley. Kerry, how are things going for you? Well, I'm coming to you live from the NFL Combine, Roger, uh, here for my day job. And I'll tell you, there's no place I'd rather be right now than Scottsdale, Arizona. So that should tell you exactly how things are going for me. How, how are you? Um, I, I'm not in Indianapolis, so that's probably a positive. Um, although Indianapolis is a very fine place. I've been there many times. Uh, but the I'm, we're in deep spring. Um, I, I was hoping you would get a nice snowy winter on your first winter on the East Coast. But uh, no, spring has sprung. We got crocuses. We got we got daffodils. We got it all. Spring is here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Spring's here. Brandon Crawford's playing baseball again. Just not the place that we've seen him for the last, uh, I don't know, Fort, when was he drafted? 2009? So 2009. Uh, 2008. Yeah, 2008. He was in the Buster Posey draft. Wow. What a draft. My goodness. You know, I think, you know, we've talked about this before, that the complication of bringing back Brandon Crawford is you can't give him the thanks for playing pass. Um you can give that pass to Nick Ahmed, though, right? I mean, that's uh, yeah. Nick Ahmed is sort of perfectly what we were talking about before. Yeah, uh, Nick Ahmed, if he makes the team, will hit ninth and play shortstop for a month and a half, and then he'll be DFA'd. Uh, it's just like exactly what the Giants were looking for. Someone with a solid glove who can man the position, who is essentially hitting in the pitcher's spot, because that's the market of players who are available and going to sign deals like the one that Nick Ahmed signed because they don't want to block a Marco Luciano. They don't want to block a Casey Schmidt or a Tyler Fitzgerald. Their 40 man roster, as far as they're concerned is full right now. And I think that, you know, Nick Ahmed is there in case someone gets hurt or in case someone looks really bad and needs to go back to AAA and kind of reset to start the season. Brandon Crawford was not going to go to AAA Sacramento to start the That's season. Right. I think that the Giants could have looked more seriously into bringing him back, probably could have had maybe a few more conversations with him. I, I haven't heard a whole lot about how it went down, but that door was pretty pretty much shut. I mean, they, they yeah. were not interested in that, even though if he had been wearing, I think it was Grant Brisby who said if he'd been wearing a Seattle Mariners jersey for the last 12 years, he would have been the guy. Like he yeah. would have said, Brandon Crawford, come on down. So I don't know. I, I, it's interesting because there's some Team USA vibes with uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Will <laughs> Brandon Crawford in that infield, huh? Yeah, and you know, he's got a pretty good chance at, at being in the playoffs. I mean, the Cardinals have not missed the playoffs that many times this century, so if he has a good year, he has a little bounce back in him, you know, he can be back in the postseason. So good for Brandon is what I'm saying. I understand that the front office, you know, maybe felt their hands would have been tied a little more than they would have liked. Um, so I get it. I get it from every side. I'm happy for Brandon that he gets to keep playing. And I want to see Brandon Belt sign a contract, by the way, because Brandon Belt was really good last year and some teams should be signing him. Um, but maybe we should go to the signing that we barely missed last year, last uh, two weeks ago, which is Jorge Soler. I think we got yeah. off the got off our recording and suddenly an hour later, Jorge Soler was signing with the Giants. Uh, uh, we can only hope that we will be as lucky today uh, that they are out there 
signing Blake Snell or somebody while we're recording. Um, I'm I'm a pretty big fan of this signing. How about you? I'm a huge fan of this signing. I think that this makes them significantly better because you look at the lineup and all of a sudden it is more solidified than we've seen in maybe the last five or six years at the top of the order. If you project out Jung-Hoo Lee is an everyday player, Tyro Estrada is an everyday player, Jorge Soler is an everyday player, Michael Conforto is mostly an everyday left fielder when he's healthy. I mean, you're thinking pretty far down the lineup before you get to your first platoon or your first a young player who they'd want to be in the lineup, whether it's Marco Luciano at shortstop or Casey Casey Schmidt at shortstop or Patrick Bailey behind the plate. I, I think that this really solidifies things. And it makes me wonder why they haven't done the same thing in the rotation, because it just instantly makes them much more competitive, makes them makes me, you know, believe in their chances of being better than 500. And yet you look at the rotation and it's not there. But what were your first impressions of the Solaire signing? Because it's very much not a prototypical Farhan Zaidi signing. Well, except that he likes power. (laughs) <laughs> and, yeah. and there then there isn't enough of it on the team uh, really shortly before uh, a day or two before that i was listening to uh, a fantasy baseball podcast right no nobody wants to talk about fantasy teams but they were just pointing out that the giants had did not have a hitter who was being drafted in the top 100 hitters across fantasy boards and yeah. they only had two in the top 300 and again Fantasy is not real world, but fantasy owners have an incentive to know what they're doing. Um, the fact that the Giants only had two of the top 300 hitters being taken off the board uh, in the fantasy world tells you something about the real world team, which is that there's not a lot of impact or people don't believe there's a lot of impact on this on this squad. Jorge Soler is immediate impact. He I mean, something will go dreadfully wrong if he's not the first 30 homer hitter since Barry Bonds because he's got 30, 40 homer power. Huge yeah. guy, big strength. Um, it goes back to this thing Pete Patillo is always talking about. You know, Jorge Soler is a big guy with big strength. Um, and yeah, he shouldn't be on the field, but he's going to bring some momentum to the lineup and having Lee at the top of the lineup. I, I, I agree. I just like having these set pieces. The one thing about that signing is it does. You've now essentially got 12 guaranteed contracts uh, on the yeah. position player side. And there's really assuming good health. There's really only one spot up for grabs and it's somebody who can play the backup infield. It's Nick Ahmed versus Tyler Fitzgerald versus Casey Schmidt. Um, unless people get hurt, that's like the one camp um competition at this point i'd say yeah i i totally agree the other thing that i like about Solaire that i think is important to mention the giants have paid a lot of money to jock peterson to fill that role and to me Solaire is distinct distinctly better like yeah. he is much much better hitter much more consistent you can play him against righties and lefties whereas jock was strictly a platoon guy and yes you're getting the platoon you're facing more often in a right-handed pitcher against a left-handed hitter mm-hmm. But you're getting someone who's better on the Mitch Hanniger contract that the Giants got rid of. In fact, a little cheaper than the Mitch Hanniger contract. And Jorge Soler's a lot better than Mitch Hanniger, too. So yeah. you know, you're, you're thinking about these two players and the value that Soler can provide. And I know that he's got an extensive injury history and you're not going to have him healthy all season. But that's why you have a Luis Matos. That's why you have an Elliot Ramos. That's why you've got these guys who are on the margins of the roster who can theoretically come in 
and then fill in for that player. You know, it's why Wilmer Flores is around when Soler mm-hmm. goes on the IL. Wilmer Flores becomes the DH. And so I, I think that that's another way of looking at it. Now, I'm fascinated to see how they piece this together because the other thing that they could do, say all of the shortstops look bad this spring and Nick Ahmed is not a solution either. You could have Tyro Strada be your starting shortstop, Wilmer Flores go and play second. And yeah, you're sacrificing a ton Oof. of defense. It's a really, really bad infield. I'm someone, I'm on the record. I've said it on KBR for years. Wilmer Flores should not bring a glove to the ballpark. He should never be throwing a baseball at that. But you could run out a lineup of Estrada at shortstop, Flores at second base, uh, one of those players, Schmitter Fitzgerald, as a late-game defensive replacement, and figure it out from there, even as ugly as that sounds. I, I mean, that's maybe worse than the the idea we've heard floated of signing Matt Chapman and making him the team shortstop. Uh, I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, the other thing about Soler that I really like is well, one, he's got some flair, which this team could definitely use, but I think also he's a really good hitter who can, along with Flores mentor, you know, Luciano and Matos as they come up. Um, one thing I've written about on my site a bunch is um, the work that Robert Orr has been doing at baseball prospectus. Um, quantifying what he calls the Seeger approach, which is named after Corey Seeger. And it's basically being as aggressive as possible on hittable pitches um, without making that over aggressive on, on chase pitches. And uh, he wrote an article when Soler signed with the Giants. And Soler's a really good hitter on, by that metric. He is very aggressive in the strike zone without being terribly aggressive outside the strike zone. And he's joining a team where that's mostly passive. The Giants have been a mostly passive team. Um, yeah. I think that that's a tweak that Marco Luciano is going to need, is going to be, it be helped by, because I think he can be more aggressive in the strike zone. He has a good eye. He knows the strike zone. He doesn't chase, but he's got enough swing and miss that being a little more aggressive early in counts on, on hittable fastballs, I think could be a really good change for him and having Jorge Soler to talk to uh, on the dugout, well, I think will be good for him. I couldn't agree more. And the other thing that I liked, and this was mocked a little bit um, on social media, at least, was I saw Farhan Zaidi said that Wilmer Flores and Tyro Estrada helped close this deal. They recruited Jorge Soler on a Zoom. And, you know, it's easy to say, oh, these guys are recruiting for the Giants. You know, look, look how they've fallen from the days of Buster Posey being the recruiter. But what that misses is the Giants have long lacked a veteran Latin Spanish speaking presence who can help mentor the kids coming through the international free agent process, who come up through the minor leagues, who get to the big league level, and then maybe don't have someone who they can relate to or talk to. And yes, Wilmer Flores has been that guy the last few years, and Tyro Estrada can be that guy, but the more resources that you give Marco Luciano and, uh, you know, Louis Matos and the other players who are coming up through this farm system, I think that's incredibly valuable. And I, I think that that's something that, you know, I, I especially noticed that when I first started covering the Giants in 2017, 2018, they just, you know, it was Pablo and then it was no one else. <laughs> Pablo was also on the fringe of the roster. You want guys yeah. part of the core who can be leaders. And so I, I think that that is a really, really valuable thing for the Giants to have. Yeah. And I, I heard uh, an interview with Wilmer yesterday um, where they asked him like, what was that like? And he, you know, so there had just real basic 
logistical life questions that that made sense you know like yeah. uh what's the what's the clubhouse culture like you know how do people get along where where do you live where do you like living where's the where are good family spots and it it makes sense to want to talk to um uh, floor said he and and uh, Soler had played together um somewhere along the line in a, a winter league or something uh so that they knew each other it makes sense to want to go to somebody you know to kind of ask questions like that about comfort level so uh, i i would not mock that that makes tons of sense to me yeah so i i think roger we've got to address the fact that it's what day three of cactus league play and you know we're already talking about the battle for the fifth starter being mason black hayden bird song right now i mean we are <laughs> we're talking about a giants team that has no clue how it's going to fill out its rotation. We've been harping on this all winter long with each edition of the K-Rodge podcast saying, when are they going to sign someone? And here we are, Keaton wins a week behind everyone because of the elbow. And I'm still skeptical that it'll just be a week because in spring training, everyone gives optimistic timelines. What does this look like? Because you know the you know the arms better than anyone in this farm system. I, it It is... Uh, yeah, we 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 kind of keep going over this ground because it just keeps being so mystifying. I uh, I I was talking with your colleague Grant Brisby last week uh, on the show, and we looked at you know roster resource um, and their estimations of of kind of innings, and like yeah, there's like seven six seven hundred innings unaccounted for here. Um, it's just a crazy large amount. In part, I think this is part of just the baseball trend. Uh, uh, one thing that's been going around on Twitter lately a lot is the percent of production, like war production or whatever you want to bet, and the percent of plate appearances that are going to pre-arb guys in baseball. And it's yeah. it's it's shooting up because all teams want to compete cheaper, um, and the game is, is fast and athletic, and you want your young guys in the field. It's why teams are pushing guys fast through their system. And we just... We're seeing that happen around baseball and uh, maybe to Giants fans, it's just shock because it has not been happening in Giants baseball, but they seem to be uh, going all in with it this year. So they are kind of following what baseball is doing. It just does. When you look at the innings total say, holy cow, how do you put all this together? Especially if there's any kind of setback from, you know, Cobb or Ray, because I think that's the idea is like, give these guys a chance, let them bridge to the veterans and and see who rises to the top i hope you assume harrison will um you know, but you know of the win and back do they keep positions or does black and wizen hunt come i mean i love i love all these arms um but a lot of these arms have limited you know experience in like double a and yeah triple a and yeesh that's a lot of innings a lot of major league innings to be thrown in inexperienced arms especially if things go wrong, like, you know, yeah, hamstring pulls, right? I, I think what's what's really interesting to me is after they trade Ross Stripling to the Oakland A's, I think, okay, there's got to be another move in here. They're clearly just bringing in a different veteran pitcher who's going to either soak up that salary or, uh, you know, earn a larger salary. And they were just clearing that space so that they could get those innings back. I mean, Ross Stripling's 110 innings weren't going to be that important for the San Francisco Giants or weren't going to be that good for the San Francisco Giants. But right now, they haven't replaced those innings. Like yeah. It's a system where, you know, you trade away Dee Sclafani, you get rid of Ross Stripling, you don't sign Alex Wood. I'm all for that. I think, in fact, 
you're positioning yourself pretty well if you bring in a quality veteran starter to fill one rotation spot and then see what the kids can do. But we went from talking about, okay, it's going to be Tristan Beck and uh, Keaton Wynn to Keaton Wynn's injured. Uh, what if Beck doesn't perform? Is it Mason Black and Carson Wisner? And, and then what's beyond them? Like we are now having conversations that are digging deeper into this farm system than I ever thought that you would in the month of February. I mean, the, these are the type of conversations that you have about a franchise in July and August in a rebuilding season. Like who's going to come up and soak up those September innings? We're now having it at the outset of the season. And that's astonishing to me. I mean, we are. I I, I want to give them credit because I do think, you know, at some point Fisher cut bait and they've got these arms they like. So let's let's see. Doing it all at once seems scary, but. I do want to say that I'm excited to see what these guys can do. And the yeah. idea that, you know, you have a couple of veterans coming back and maybe you can trade for a veteran later in the year. So it's not like 200 innings that all these guys have to fill. Um, I get that. It's like, it's a bridge. It's an early season. It's not maybe killing your season. So I am really excited about what all the guys will bring. I mean, I, I really like Mason Black. Um, Carson Wisenhunt, uh, who I was writing about today, you know, that changeup's going to keep him in the majors for a long time. I do, uh, as you were talking, I looked up last year's um, Los Angeles Dodgers. So I, I, I will yeah. just use them as an example. So they got starts, 22 starts from Bobby Miller, 12 from Michael Grove, 11 from Emmett Sheehan. Uh, Dustin May was in there for a while. Gavin Stone came up for four. Ryan Pepio for three. That's one, two, three. Wow four, five, six um, rookies that they brought up to take take down starts. Um, I, it, I do think it's the way the industry is going, just because everybody yeah. is getting sort of younger and teams do not have as much trepidation about relying on youth. And I guess, you know, this is the year where the Giants said, we've got it. We have to make this move. What, so what's interesting to yeah. me, um, Farhan Zaidi was on KMBR this week, as I know you heard him. And he, they asked him, is this a youth movement? And he said, yes. But later in that episode, he also repeated, we have to win. First things yeah. first, we have to win. So it's not like this is a youth movement and we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll, we'll do as good as we can. It's this is a youth movement and we still need to get to the playoffs. And that's, I think, the thread the needle tricky part. So do the Giants have a messaging problem on their hands? Have they had a messaging problem for the last three, four, or five years? Is the entire Farhan Zaidi era a messaging problem? I I wonder. I really wonder. And I, I think they do, but I'm curious your, your perspective before I dive in on that. Well, I mean, there's something we've talked about online. I'm, I've been confused by the messaging because I feel like if – maybe it's just too late in – kind of Farhan Zaidi's time with the Giants to say it's a step back year or it's a it's a it's a rebuild year. They can't go back to 2019 again where he said we'll win as much as we can. Um and maybe that's just the thinking there. But the roster they're building looks like that. So I I will say that I'm not upset with what they're doing. It makes sense to me and I'm excited about it, but I am confused by the way they're messaging what they're doing. And 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 I wonder if that means, you know, suggests that there's some difference of opinion internally or 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 this really is the idea. We have to both develop and win at the same time. 
Um, but I, I have found the confusion, the, the messaging to be a bit muddled this, this winter. Yeah, I think that when a team isn't willing to consistently spend at the top of Major League Baseball anymore, which the Giants have proven throughout the Farhan Zaidi era that they will not spend at the top of Major League Baseball, and when they don't commit to exhausting every resource to making the roster as good as it can possibly be, because if they did, there's room to add a Blake Snell. There's room to add a Jordan Montgomery or a Matt Chapman. Uh, and then they tell their fans that, it's imperative for us to win and you know, you're not going to take a step back and you know, it's it just, it seems a little disingenuous to me and it seems like the giants still want to think of themselves as one of baseball's jewel franchises as, you know, one of the, the best places to play and a franchise that does it a cut above when in reality, they have put themselves in the middle of the pack with their spending, and they, to me, should now be judged as a middle-of-the-pack franchise until they they prove otherwise. I think we're well past the World Series glory era. I think we're well past the end of the Sabian Bochi run, and I think that they have positioned themselves firmly in the middle of the pack, and they resemble the Seattle Mariners far more than they do the Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees. And now the Boston Red Sox resemble the <laughs> pack teams. The point is, a bunch of MLB teams are, are in a uh, communications crisis, and I think the yeah. Giants are part of that. Yeah, I, I, no, I totally agree with that. If, if you're going to talk about yourself as a jewel franchise, you can't run yourself like the Brewers. And if you're going yeah. to ask people to spend... 50 bucks on a crab sandwich or whatever it is. Um, you can't come back and cry poor. So you're a colleague of yours or uh, um, uh, Tim Kawakami. I don't know if you read his mailbag. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, but somebody asked him the question that we ended on last time, which is, are they rebuilding? Or are they competing? And he said, I think they're in try and get lucky and sneak in on the six wild card and hope that fans show up then mode, um, which <laughs> which is the worst thing to try and communicate. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. I mean, they're in this position where it's like, we will spend if people show up, but people are only going to show up for a winner and you only build a winner by spending. So it's like this vicious cycle where they now have to hit on all of these prospects coming up. Like if they don't, I think I know that he was just given a three year deal, but if the Giants miss the playoffs and go under 500, I think this will be Farhan's ideas last year. I do. I, you know, I will. I'm always against regime change because I think yeah. continuity is a virtue, is a value to any organization. Totally once, once you bring in somebody new, it takes years to like recreate all the systems. So I will say I hope that that doesn't happen. But going back to the messaging, I mean, I spent uh, a lot of my career as a communications specialist and advisor and. My thing was always don't say things that are going to bite you in the butt, you know, be transparent, be open. Um, they, in doing this sort of expectations up here, but roster down here, they're setting themselves up to get bit in the butt. Um, so let's hope it works. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think it like, you know, we could very much look back on this in July or August. And if Kyle Harrison uh, Keaton Wynn, I, I love the fastball splitter combination that Keaton Wynn brings to the table. I think it can absolutely play in a major league rotation and say one other pitcher, maybe it's Carson Wisenhunt, maybe it's Mason Black. If they are pitching under four ERAs and consistently going five or six for the Giants, 
and the lineup produces much better than it did last year with Jung Hooley at the top and Jorge Soler. We'll look back at this and say, you know what? They were right. They were yeah. right to do it. That way. They saw what the Dodgers did last year and trusted their kids in the rotation. This is the way baseball's going. And I think that they could very well prove that this message was the right one to put out there. But at the same time, I want to go back to something that you said. It's just a really hard needle to thread. <laughs> and so if they thread it, all the power to them, they were the ones who saw this through. If they don't, I, I think like fans are going to be, they're already skeptical. I think that it could be a new rebuilding process. Yeah. I mean, and, it, and, and I think let's be clear, if there's a new rebuilding process, someone else is doing it. Um, yeah. But it is, their reputations are staked on this because I, I will say, and I, I've, I've written this several times this winter, a, a lot of scouts I talk to from other teams say, I, you know, I don't, I don't see starters. I see, you know, good bulk inning guy here and a, a good bulk inning guy there, but I'm not sure I see starters. If it works, they were really, really right. And they're the smartest and you'll see smartest guys in the room stories start popping out because they, yeah. they understood how to read the data in the bullpens and not worry about getting too much innings in minor leagues. And, and, and they followed a process of their own to a successful conclusion. Uh, if it doesn't work, um, it's going to be a bumpy ride. So, yeah. Um, so, so let's, let's talk about this a little bit. What's your confidence level that it's going to work? I'm it's so it's weird. If I look at each guy individually, I can say, yeah, I, I have pretty good confidence in this guy. I have good. I mean, I do. I, I, I said several times, I, Kyle Harrison is a guy you should build around to me. I think yeah. he is going to be, a really solid, you know, a guy you'll feel good about starting in a, in a playoff game. I don't know that's going to happen in his rookie year because we know that people had go through some learning curves. Um, but I do think, you know, in the next two years, he's going to be a mainstay. Um, yeah. I like Keaton win. Um, Tristan Beck. Uh, there are a lot of things I like about him. The sweeper is obviously a good pitch. I don't know that he's going to have a, a long hold on that position. If you know Mason Black or Wizen Hunt, you know could come up. Um, but it's kind of everybody has a strength and, and a flaw. You know Wizen Hunt's changeup is an amazing pitch, um, but the fastball needs better command. And and I think um, the curve. I think they're going to try and change him to a cutter or a slider or something as a better third pitch. Uh, Landon Roop's curveball is one of the best pitches in the, in the organization. Uh, and that goes with the, with a sinker. That's pretty good, but is that enough for a starter? That's kind of the, is that enough for a starter is a question that comes up over and over again. Carson Seymour, fastball slider. There's a lot of fastball slider in this organization, which makes yeah. me wonder is ultimately, are we going to see, this goes back to the Brian price question. Are we going to see five starters? Or are we going to see 10 guys who can give you three or four innings kind of <laughs> molding together? Yeah. Um, which I can see working. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the other thing is if you have 10 guys who give you three to four innings, you're playing the roster shuffle game back and forth at AAA Sacramento. At some point this year, the Giants are going to run out of the available options and times that they can send a guy down. And, and it's it's going to happen in some way with one of these prospects. And then they're just going to have to keep him down or shut him down. Uh, it. it at an innings threshold, you know? Yeah. But I mean, the other thing too, is if, if you want to be a team that's playoff worthy every year, at some point you need to be using people who are too good to send out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. But let me go back to when Cody Bellinger signed his deal the other day. Oh, yeah. Did you read that and say, yeah, the Giants should have offered that money or the Giants should offer that same money to to Blake Snell? Did you look at it and say, yeah, that's what the Giants should be doing? I didn't just because uh, the Cubs are the incumbent for Bellinger and it's Wrigley Field's a great place to play. If you're a hitter, it's a great place. If you're going to get one year, 30 mil, and you want to then hit the market at age 29 and prove that you can do it two years in a row and you're completely past that shoulder injury. I, I just don't think he signs that deal with the giants. I think it probably had to be more like three for one ten with the Giants. I don't think they were going to offer that type of a deal. Um, However, I do think that if there's one player left who might take that kind of a deal, it's Jordan Montgomery, because I don't know that there's a long list of teams out there that were ever going to say six or seven years for Montgomery. I think you may have a few that were four or five, and I don't think they were comfortable with the 150 plus that Boris was indicating at the outset of the offseason that a lot of these trade rumor sites predicted the offseason. I think that you know, three for 90 with an opt-out after each might be the the deal for Jordan Montgomery. And even then 30 million per season for Jordan Montgomery is a really steep price. And so I don't know, I think he might have to be looking more in the sunny gray territory of three for 75 that he got from the the Cardinals. Well, how, how do you see all this? I mean, it's, it's without knowing what's being asked and we've heard a lot of stories about, you know, Scott Boris maybe wanting Snell to sign before Montgomery. Um, I don't know what Bob Melvin's relationship with Blake Snell. I do think they should get involved in one of these big deals, especially if it's short term or has opt outs, yeah. because there's just not that much committed long term. It's not like you can make a big mistake with any of these guys. If you're, if you're not talking about 10 years and, and $300 million. If you're talking about thirty million for three years, yeah, you're going to go over the threshold for this year, the first threshold. Yeah, it's not it's not getting you into a jam long term. So I don't see why that should be a stumbling point. And I agree, a little safety net on this roster would help. the The other thing, if you did do one of those deals where you're paying a Montgomery thirty million a year, you know, say it's three years, ninety million, just theoretically, you're looking at the Giants' worst case scenario being Jordan Montgomery unusable the second and third year uh Robbie Ray something happens on his Tommy John surgery he opts in you're paying him 25 for the next two uh you've still got Logan Webb under contract at a pre- pretty reasonable rate so 18 per year something like that at his five-year 90 million you're looking at 2025 2026 still having a Kyle Harrison Mason Black Keaton Wynn Carson Wisenhunt Tristan Beck Reggie Crawford, all these young guys coming through the system, Hayden Birdsong, Landon Roop, still spending a maximum of $80 million on your rotation. And yeah. you can still build a successful team with a couple albatross contracts if two of those guys of that long list of pitching prospects pan out. You can still do it because you've got Logan Webb and you're going to have you know two of those guys pan out this year, one or more next year. And I just don't think there's that much downside, like you said, to to getting in on the big money, short-term opt-out game. Yeah, and I mean, there are teams out there that are sort of quietly playing around with something of a six-man rotation. I mean, if you really, uh, that's a good problem to have, right? Too many good arms yeah. is a good problem to have. Um, 
And if Montgomery or, or Snell or whoever is really good this year and they opt out, that, that's fine too. You know, there's going yeah. to be, there's going to be innings to go around for guys. I just would feel yeah. more comfortable if it was more like four or 500 than six or 700. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I, I also like the six man rotation in part because I don't think it's in Logan Webb's best interest to throw 216 innings again. I mean, I, I saw him on opening day of spring training, getting his pitch count up to like 40. And I'm like, save the guy's bullets. Come on. I mean, I, that, that was like the very new school approach of me thinking, I don't know that he needs to be starting the first game of the spring and working into the second inning for all of this mess. It's interesting though, because Logan Webb, I mean, he's a very different pitcher from, from Blake Snell or, or Tyler Glass. Now the guys that give you tons of value in like 130 innings because they're striking yeah. out everybody. Logan Webb's a guy who gives you value by bulk. I mean, yeah, exactly. bulk is a big part of his appeal. So you want to get him up there. I like the 200 mark. I, I, I even though I don't know how long you can do it, but uh, as yeah, long as no, you can I, do I it, like, I'm glad to see it. I like 200. I like 190. I don't like anything below that for Logan Webb because the Giants will be appreciably worse if Logan <laughs> Webb's not throwing that. I'm just saying like 40 pitches day one of spring training. I get him 20 and then go to the bullpen and control it. <laughs> <you know? laughs> good, good enough. I mean, yeah. hey, we have spring training games and that's a fun thing to see. Um exactly. We get to see all these arms. We get to see Hayden Birdsong's nasty, ridiculous stuff. Uh, we're going to see Wiz and Hunt's change up and Roop's curveball, and that's fun. So let's just yeah. focus on that. This stuff is all fun. Exactly. Hope, yeah. Giants baseball stack, and uh, Kyle Harrison struck out four. So how about that? That's pretty good to see. Exactly. Yeah, I okay. like that. So let's get off here so we can get on Twitter and see who the Giants signed while we were while we were talking. <laughs> Exactly. Not Tom Murphy <laughs> this time around. <laughs> All right, Kerry, we'll talk again uh, in the next week or so and, and, uh, and see where things stand. Sounds great. Let's <laughs>